What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Welcome to the first episode of What If the Pandemic Never Ends? A program about reclaiming, building, or even starting your career in the age of COVID-19. I'm Don Stinson, your host and author of the blog, Dodging Career Killers, a collection of real-life stories organized to help you find solutions to some of the scariest career-killing situations you can imagine. The odds are pretty good that COVID-19 has had an impact on your career. Maybe you've been promoted because demand for your company's products skyrocketed. Perhaps you spent the spring and summer watching the rungs break on the corporate ladder you wanted to climb. Although I hope not, you may be among the tens of millions of unemployed who have to build a new career with a new employer, possibly even in a new field. I'm an optimist by nature, but not an irrational one. Because I prefer to prepare for the worst and hope for the best, I'm going to advance a question you may not like. In fact, I can just about guarantee that you won't like it. What if the pandemic never ends? Without disciplining ourselves to wear masks that cover our mouths and noses and distance ourselves from one another, it's quite possible that America will never bring the virus under control. As some scientists have suggested, COVID-19 may well get worse, subside for a while, and then roar back in cycles that lasts for decades. Even though studies suggest that a majority of Americans would agree to be vaccinated when and if a safe vaccine is available, so many say that they won't that it could threaten the nation's collective immunity and deliver a pandemic that never ends. This isn't complicated. If we can avoid having people with COVID-19 infect people who are healthy, mankind wins. If we can't, we lose. Without control of the virus, we can't rebuild our economy. Without a vibrant economy, your opportunities for professional and financial growth aren't going to be very good. What is complicated, however, is figuring out how to stop COVID-19 from robbing you of the time, visibility, and learning you need to build a successful, satisfying future. Moreover, you have to do it in a world that was already changing before the virus came along. Take the unyielding destruction of COVID-19 and is causing to the U.S. economy and mix it with oncoming issues like accelerating climate change, food and water shortages, and increased use of robotics and artificial intelligence, and you get a business landscape and career path that have been turned sideways, if not upside down. I could be wrong, of course. And COVID-19 will, as President Trump has suggested, just magically disappear one day. I wish I could believe that, but I don't believe in fairy tales or relying on wishful thinking. COVID-19 reemerged in New Zealand just this week after the country had been free for 102 days. 
some things do go away. But every time I hear that suggested about COVID-19, I'm reminded that the bubonic plague, the disease that killed 50 million people in Europe in the 14th century, is still around almost 700 years later. There were 300 cases of bubonic plague and 30 deaths in Madagascar as recently as 2017. There have been cases in Colorado and China this year as well. So what's in all of this for you? Well, first, make no mistake. As lousy as all of this sounds, there are substantial opportunities for people who are willing to think differently about how they approach and solve problems. The more you know, the better your chances of winning the day. We hope our content will help you identify potential solutions that you may not be familiar with. Our first post, Psychological Judo, is a good example. It's about turning the tables on an adversary by addressing a problem in the most unexpected way possible. Second, we'll share how people successfully escape some of the scariest, most twisted, and most idiotic career-killing situations that's ever sprang from the minds of world-class sociopaths, narcissists, and even a few less stellar jerks. Even more importantly, perhaps, we'll also share how and why they sometimes failed. Next week, in fact, we'll share a story about someone who was just recently turned down for a prestigious, high-paying job because he failed to recognize the rules of the road in the age of COVID. He never even saw it coming. If some of these career killers haven't been thrown at you yet, they likely will be someday. COVID-19 or not, you'll one day get a boss who barely prefers you over hemorrhagic fever, or a jealous colleague may try to set you up for a very public failure, or a huge client will go crazy on you. Regardless of the particulars, one thing's for certain. If you don't come up with a smart way to rescue yourself, your career could get badly burned. Here are just a few of the articles, all derived from actual events, we'll be posting. How a bellowing million-dollar client was silenced in a jaw-dropping nanosecond. Why you should never make a decision before you have to. The case of a young female executive who flourished after being publicly humiliated by her boss. And the reason good manners are coming back and why a lot of folks will be in trouble. Some of the materials are presented in story style and others in a how-to format. With a few common sense modifications here and there, the lessons should be as effective on the phone or a video call as they were face-to-face, -face. maybe even better. We hope you'll join us. Subscribe to our Dodging Career Killers blog at dodgingcareerkillers.com and listen to our new podcast, What If the Pandemic Never Ends? You'll be able to find the same materials in both places. Our first story is called Psychological Judo. It's written in the first person because I'm one of the fellows in the story. Legendary people rarely travel in cattle class. Not only was one on the plane with my boss and I that summer morning, but he was only inches away. We quickly grew paranoid that the universe had decided to play with us, and it turned out that we were right. My boss and I were on our way to a meeting in New York that promised to be about as much fun as a lumbar puncture. Our company, along with a lot of others in the industry, had been summoned one by one by a million dollar client to discuss what we were charging them, 
Not surprisingly, they thought they were overpaying and were threatening to dump us if we didn't cut our price to an ominous a lot less. According to colleagues who had already been to see them, gas station sushi got more respect. The client stipulations for the meeting were straightforward. The biggest one was that my boss was supposed to come alone, even though I'd handled the past negotiations and knew all of the naughty details. We suspected that we were the last company to be brought in and that they'd try to take whatever cost savings they didn't get elsewhere out of us. As we boarded our flight, we couldn't miss the fact that Norman Vincent Peel was seated directly behind us. Dr. Peel was the pastor of Marvel Collegiate Church in Manhattan and the world-renowned author of The Power of Positive Thinking, an uber-famous self-help book that sold millions of copies and had been translated into 40 languages. He had given a speech in our town the night before. What he was doing in the back of the plane with a great unwashed like us was anybody's guess. We could use your good thoughts. We have a tough day ahead, we said to Dr. Peel, who smiled, shook our hands, and gave us some words of advice from his book. This could be a good sign, my boss whispered to me as we fastened our seatbelts. Either that, or we're going to die. With that, my boss closed his eyes to take a nap, leaving me to worry about which outcome was hurtling towards us. At the same time, the passenger I was seated next to decided to regale me with stories about his recent foot surgery, whether I wanted to hear them or not. He was so proud that he'd won his battle against bunions that he took off his shoe and sock to show me his incision. The first decision we made after being summoned to New York was to ignore the we only want your boss to come requirement. Neither one of us saw anything positive in his being thrown into a lion's den alone at feeding time. We never told him that I was coming and since they probably wouldn't shoot me in front of witnesses, it seemed that the worst thing they could do was throw me out. After all, just because someone tells you to do something doesn't mean you have to do it. The second was to develop a highly sophisticated system to navigate what was a very complicated deal. Our plan was to sit next to each other. If they wanted something we could do without incurring undue pain, I'd hit his knee with mine twice. If it hurt us too much financially, I'd hit him once. If we couldn't sit together, I'd cough or hack up something to communicate the same things. We arrived right on time for the meeting and were shown into a characterless conference room by a receptionist with the personality of a sinus infection. I opened my briefcase and took out some memorabilia from our city and put them on the table. After a while, the woman I worked with directly walked in with the kind of bad attitude that makes an abscessed tooth seem pleasant. She sat down across from us. Even though foul temper was the nicest thing you could say about her, I felt a little sad. She looked so tired that the word dilapidated couldn't even describe it. Nevertheless, she found the energy to launch into a barrage of personal insults, threats, and accusations so vile that she may have even offended herself. It was one hell of an opening act. Just as she was describing something that sounded anatomically impossible, the conference room door blew open and the CEO walked in. He largely repeated the same trash talk that Satan's little sister had started. The only difference was that he was yelling. He was so loud, in fact, 
that he startled her. A funny thing because I doubted that we were the first people to be treated to this part of their dog and pony show. Then he started banging on the table, hitting it so hard that it sent one of the gifts flying into the wall where it made a loud pop and shattered into smithereens. Undeterred, he kept shouting at both of us, saying something about how we were going to pay and pay big as he lost control of his saliva and showered everything in a five-foot radius with spit. I was in my early 30s at the time, and I was as nervous as a turkey in November. Sweat was dripping from my knees. If the meeting got much worse, I didn't have to worry about facing a career-killing moment. My world was going to look more like Armageddon. Then, seemingly out of nowhere, something slammed on the brakes. As the madness reached a crescendo, my boss said something. His voice was so soft, though, that the CEO couldn't hear him. To listen, he had to stop yelling, and he even had to lean across the table to hear better. For a moment, there was dead silence. Apparently, the growling CEO didn't know how to respond to anything that wasn't growling back at him. In fact, the stillness seemed to unnerve him. In the blink of an eye, my boss performed jaw-dropping psychological judo. He turned the CEO's own strength against him with what was little more than a whisper. It was simple and artfully brilliant. After his first whisper, he continued to speak in a low voice and largely had control of the conversation the rest of the afternoon. Not a single loud or angry word was said again. We even all laughed together a couple of times. Of course, we won everything hands down that day. Okay, maybe not. I really can't back that up. In reality, by the time the meeting was over, the left side of my knee was nearly black and blue from our low-tech communication system. And after all the lunacy we endured, we ended about even for the day financially. That was okay, though. In the end, I guess they were a little taken aback that we didn't take the bait. We never lost our tempers or let the meeting devolve into something that we couldn't wait to walk away from, perhaps regardless of the cost. It amazes me to this day to know that all my boss had done to win was to keep his cool and whisper, I hear you. It also stuns me to think how oddly relevant, even prescient, Dr. Peel's advice that morning had turned out to be. Remember that a cyclone derives its power from a calm center, he counseled us. So does a person. This is a great example of the power of doing the unexpected, acting in a way that no one in the room, including me, could have anticipated would have diffused the entire problem. We hope you've enjoyed the story. We look forward to talking to you next time. Stay well. Bye-bye.